Hello, everybody, and welcome back to another episode of the Royal Strong and True Podcast. It's just going to be me today on the episode, so sorry about that. You're going to have to deal with my annoying self the whole time. But uh, some interesting things have been happening, some sad things have been happening in the BYU sports world that I would be amiss not to share with you guys this week. Please pray for Jared. He is full on in his finals and papers and everything like that. He needs all the prayers he can get, so everybody prayers up for Jared. This episode, we're going to be talking about BYU's lack of a postseason, its next moves, the moves it's already made, and the moves that it should make. Um, We are going to talk about other BYU sports and how they're doing. We're going to have a lot of fun. We're going to cry. We're going to laugh. We're going to feel a full spectrum of emotions today. But before we get into the episode, I want to remind you to follow us on Instagram and Twitter at Loyal2RoyalPod, where you'll find lots of fun and interactive content, lots of fun stuff as we get further into basketball season, and a lot of fun stuff revolving college football postseason. Make sure you're checking out RoyalStrongAndTrue.com, where Jared is uploading his weekend watch guides, where you'll find an absolute amazing tool to maximize your college football Saturdays. All right, everybody, without further ado, let's get to it. Let's boo. Go Tigers. But that field judge on the far side is in their pocket, man. Go over your death, right? Let's back this booler. Yeah! <laughs> let's go wild, let's go, baby. Let's go. <laughs> We're at a waterfall, dude. Man, that intro gets me pumped every single time. Let's get straight into it with some positive things that are happening in the BYU sports world. Let's start out with BYU women's soccer. Um, when halftime of this game approached and we were down 3-0, in no way, shape, or form did I think that we were going to be making a positive announcement on this podcast. When we were down 3-1 with nine minutes left, I did not think that we would win. But BYU goes on an absolute tear, scoring three goals in the last nine minutes of regulation play to beat North Carolina 4-2-3 in an Elite 8 matchup on Southfield in the snow. The rock was incredible. Everyone was screaming. It was a magical, beautiful evening. One of the biggest comebacks in BYU sports history. I mean, this has got to rival the Miracle Bowl, right? The Miracle Bowl versus SMU, you know, however many years ago. Sure, that was cool and everything, but that was just a bowl game, right? This was the Elite 8. Everything was on the line in this game, and the BYU women's soccer squad pulled it out. I would argue that this comeback is more surprising, more influential, more um, has more value to it almost than the Miracle Bowl versus SMU. Which I know, I know, I know, it's, it's kind of a wacky thing for me to say, given that I'm a football over soccer guy. But still, like you cannot deny the fact that what these girls did was absolutely special. Now they have a Final Four matchup. It's not called the Final Four in soccer. It's like the, what is it, the College Cup. 
College Cup versus number two Stanford at 6.30 p.m. on Friday. BYU is a goal-scoring machine. Stanford is a defensive machine, not allowing more than one goal, I'm pretty sure, in any one game this season, whereas BYU is the highest-scoring team in the nation. So you have an unstoppable force meeting an immovable object. Which of these two wins on Friday? Tune in, 6.30 p.m. to find out. Friday is a very busy day for BYU sports because at 7 p.m. you will have women's volleyball taking on Weber State at home as part of a first-round NCAA tournament matchup. BYU women's volleyball earned a number four seed, which, you know, we weren't sure if they were going to host, but they did. Number four seed, go, you know, go Cougs, go Cougs. Um, They've struggled lately, but we think that they can, you know, all you got to do is heat up at the right time. Just like basketball, you heat up in March. All they got to do is heat up this last part of November into December, and we might be cooking. They host Weber State at home on Friday, and if we win that game, we get the winner of Georgia and Arizona State also at home. I don't know if Georgia or Arizona State are any good. Um, to be honest, I didn't do a ton of research into those two teams, but I feel confident that BYU women's volleyball will take down Weber State and advance to the second round. I hopefully just did not jinx it. Somebody knock on wood for me. I know somebody's got wood next to them, whether you're at your desk at work or you got wood paneling in your car or I don't know, maybe you're sitting in a tree house. Maybe. I don't know, it's, it's kind of cold outside to be doing that, but who knows, maybe you're in the Southern Hemisphere, you're part of our few listeners in Trujillo, Peru, and you are going to be sitting in a treehouse, and you'll knock on wood for us. Um, please do that. Let's talk about women's basketball. Women's basketball does not have a game on Friday, but they do on Saturday. On Saturday, they travel to the Huntsman Center to play Utah. Utah women's basketball has been very good the past couple years. They are very good this year, too. Saturday, December 2nd at 7 p.m., the Lady Cougs will be taking on the Lady Running Utes. I don't know. Running Still just the Running Utes? I, I don't know. Whatever they call themselves, they will be playing. Women's, volley, women's basketball is currently 6-1 after starting 6-0. They had impressive wins last week versus Wake Forest, St. Louis, and old WCC foe, Loyola Marymount University. But they had a tough loss yesterday at Wyoming in the PP Poo Poo Basketball Stadium in Laramie. Um, you know, tough loss. You never want to lose to freaking Wyoming in their PP Poo Poo Stadium and colors and whatever. But, you know, sometimes you need a game to humble you, to remind you that you are not perfect so that you can work on those imperfections and dominate which is what I expect on Saturday when BYU women's basketball goes in and upsets Utah in the Huntsman Center. Now, when it comes to men's basketball, the men are 6-0. They've been winning like crazy, shooting threes like crazy, leading the country by a full three in three-pointers made per game at 13, if I'm not mistaken. Men's basketball is playing extremely well, extremely efficiently. They are playing really good defense. They are assisting on like a ton of their shots. It's, it's honestly insane. They had an absolute blowout win versus Arizona State versus, uh, in the Thanksgiving break. 
And then they, f they faced a little bit of adversity versus North Carolina State, but they came back and won. Now, let's, let's address the elephant in the room here. BYU basketball is a chippy team this year. They get under your skin. They're that pain in the rear end team. Nobody expects you to be that good. Nobody expects to line up against the likes of Spencer Johnson, Dallin Hall, Trevin Nell, um, uh, you know, why is his name slipping my, Richie Saunders, you know, all these guys that look like future venture capitalists and accountants and to get absolutely dog walked by them. That's got to be extremely frustrating, extremely demoralizing. And then you got our other guys that are playing extremely well too. Noah Waterman is playing out of his mind like a man possessed. Jackson Robinson is playing extremely well. Atiki Ali Atiki is doing very good at throwing punches and elbows. Um, <laughs> uh, Ali Khalifa has come in and played very valuable minutes versus North Carolina State and has showed that he's a really good passer. You have Townsend Triple, the Zach Sellius of this year, with his bushy mustache and bushy eyebrows to match. Incredible, incredible guy. So we have to address the elephant in the room. Atiki Ali Atiki punched a guy in the face, or palmed a guy in the face versus uh, Arizona State when we were already up 30 with 30 seconds left. Not a good look, but um, you know that, that's the kind of player Atiki is. He fights. Um, and then we got under the skin of NC State, uh, leading to multiple ejections, people coming off the bench in a little altercation, and their head coach getting thrown out at the end. So um, that was a lot of fun. Um, unfortunately, in that North Carolina State game, Fusini Traore got a steal and on the breakaway looked like he uh, suffered a hamstring industry. Uh, hamst industry. Hamstring injury. Um, according to Coach Pope, he is now day the day. Uh, Fusini Traore is an absolutely incredible player. He plays very well. Um, you know, he's, he's a great post player, great at rebounding, great at using his body to create space and score buckets for the Cougs. He really stretches the floor because he forces people inside and allows the three-point shooters to have space. So hopefully we can have him back as soon as possible. They are, men's basketball I mean, ranked number 19 in the nation. Um, I actually had, I, that was off the top of my head. I need to fact check that. Um, uh, do, 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 stay with me here. This is incredible, incredible podcasting. Um, yes, BYU men's basketball is ranked number 19. My memory did not fail me. And they have only one game this week versus Fresno State Friday at 7 p.m. Now, we have to talk about this. Let's talk about BYU football. Oh, man. BYU... BYU football lately has been just like a toxic ex that we can't get over. We keep going back to it expecting happiness, you know, expecting that it's going to do something for us, right? That it's going to be better, that, it, it, that it's going to have changed. Yet here we are, hurt again, crying in the fetal position in the shower because we've had our hearts broken once again. BYU looked like they were going to waltz away with a dominant victory in Stillwater until everything came crashing down. 
The game goes into overtime. You know, that we're, we got to force overtime, which is great. You know, it didn't even look like we were going to do that. And, you know, we, we score in the first overtime. We allow a touchdown in the second overtime. We go and we throw a pass to Isaac Rex. He's fighting for yards. And he fumbles the football, which is a terrible way to end your career for Isaac Rex. Feel really bad for the guy. He fought really hard for BYU. Obviously, he's a BYU legend, but that's not the way you want to go out. We choked away that game so badly. You know, we started playing this prevent, tried to run the clock out crap in the second half, and it just did not work. Jake Retzloff was doing well with his legs, but man, he could not complete a pass to save his life. We were just, we were in shambles all across the field. Defense wasn't getting a ton of stops. I mean, they were doing their best. You know, Eddie Heckard had that pick six and another pick in the second half as well. Um, but I don't know. With the offense stagnant, you, you can't do much. In the Big 12, you got to score points. And we just weren't doing that. And that's honestly. We, we really let a bowl game slip through our fingers. And not only that, we did it twice in a row versus two ranked opponents. We got the doors blasted off of us by TCU who went 5-7. and seven. Iowa State, West Virginia, all these teams that aren't that are, are good, but they're not great. But then we play Oklahoma State, who's in the Big 12 championship game. We play Oklahoma who is a nationally ranked team, a national brand, we fight like hell against him just to choke the game away. Absolutely terrible. Completely on the offense. I, I don't know. I don't know. I'm going to stop ranting about that and start ranting about something else. As you know, because we lost that game, we are now 5-7, and seven, which makes us ineligible for the postseason, unless you're Minnesota. Um... So we do not get to play in a bowl game. Our season is over. No more practices. No more anything. So now comes the time of coaching changes. Um, there was a unit that significantly underperformed all year long, the offensive line. And that coach, head co- that position coach, uh, Coach Funk, has been let go from the program. Nobody was surprised. We'd been calling for this for quite some time. It kind of seemed like the run protection scheme was kind of taken away from him because things transitioned from a lot of zone blocking to pulling and gap assignments. Um, So he's gone. I don't think anybody's upset about that. One thing that players and fans alike are upset about is that along with him went tight ends coach Steve Clark. Which is a real head-scratcher. Um, Steve Clark was the best offensive recruiter on our team, con- you know, in contention for four stars. When the rest of our team, the rest of our offense wasn't doing that. Not in contention for four-star talent. Maybe three-star, but not four-star. Everybody loved Steve Clark. He's been with Kalani ever since he was a head coach. He's worked, he, he loves and breathes BYU. All the recruits love him. The tight ends were not the problem this year. So why let Coach Steve Clark go? Now, of course, BYU will never say why. But Aaron Roderick let him go. And the theory is because with bringing in a new O-line coach, you have to allow him, you know, to, if, if you want to attract a big O-line coach, 
you have to allow him to bring a guy with him, a position coach, namely a tight ends coach. So if you're going to get a new offensive line coach, you have to create room on the staff for the coach that he's bringing in. Should Steve Clark have been that coach that was let go? I absolutely do not think so. You know, there are other positions that underperformed. You know, you have the running back room. You have, you know, a, a lot of things that could have been changed. But I don't know. I don't know that a lot of, I mean, there was speculation, right, that Unga was going to be the one being let go along with Funk. But instead it was Steve Clark. That just doesn't make sense to me, and it doesn't make sense to anyone. That's why Mason Wake went out there and, and tweeted that Steve was never the problem, that this is a bunch of bull, you know, uh, redacted. And then you have our four-star recruit, Jackson Bowers, retweeting that. It's just not a good look. It's, BYU went about things the complete wrong way, in my opinion. And now, who are you going to hire as your own line coach? There's some rumors out there that were trying to attract back Jeff Grimes, who um, you know has just been relieved from his duties as offensive coordinator at Baylor. Um, they're saying some people are saying that there's legs to that. I how? Why would he take a step down? You know, he's he's been an offensive coordinator, a step down to a program where he had already been an offensive coordinator, so he's already taken into motion, and his boss is going to be someone that was his subordinate in uh, when he was at BYU. Aaron Roderick was the quarterback coach. Now he's the offensive coordinator. That just doesn't make any sense, unless he really feels like he doesn't have any other options, or unless he's really confident about, uh, really passionate about the O-line, and just doesn't want to deal with offensive play calling anymore, which doesn't seem like it would make sense when you have head coach openings at UTEP and some other places there in Texas. Who else could it be? You know, there's there's people on the, the New Mexico State staff that they're saying you know might might be an option. I, I don't know. You know, position coaches are always weird, and you never know if it's going if they're going to follow the member route or if they're not going to follow the member route. Stay tuned for news because as we receive it. So shall you. We will share it with you immediately. Now, uh, week 13 of college football. I'm, I mean, I'm not going to go super deep into this because uh, what I'm really excited about is championship weekend. Uh, what I will say is Jared, our poor Jared and his family, are utterly depressed after Ohio State lost to Michigan for the third straight year with Jim Harbaugh not even on the sidelines. Uh, absolutely catastrophic for Jared. Absolutely catastrophic for Ryan Day. I mean, how long can you get away with beating everyone except Michigan? How long can you get away with that? Probably not much longer. So that's going to be something to look out for. Um, yeah, um, let's, let's, let's jump right into the college football playoff rankings because I do have a couple comments on that. So as you know, uh, the College Football Playoff Ranking Committee is a bunch of idiots who know nothing about football that, you know, just a bunch of administrators that talk sports for some reason that should not be involved in (coughs) decision-making. They have ranked the top 10 as follows. One, Georgia. 
two, Michigan, three, Washington, four, Florida State. Those are the four undefeated teams. Then you got five, Oregon, six, Ohio State, seven, Texas, eight, Alabama, nine, Missouri, 10, Penn State. Now, what I really want to talk about here is where Texas is at. Texas has one loss on the year. And it's to an absolute, you know, historied college football program in the Red River rivalry. Oregon also has one loss this year to Washington, who is the number three team in the country. Texas, however, has beaten Alabama, has beaten multiple ranked opponents, whereas Oregon basically hasn't beaten anyone in the Pac-12. The Pac-12 was good for a little bit. But it's fallen off completely since. Ohio State, I mean, what, what have they done? I mean, they haven't, they haven't really beaten anyone. And when they finally do play, I mean, I guess Penn State, right? But then you finally do play someone in Michigan and you get your rear end handed to you. So I, it doesn't make sense to me why Ohio State is behind Oregon, why Texas is behind Oregon, why Texas is behind Ohio State. As for one for four, one through four, you know, you, you got to give all of these teams their flowers because they're all 12 and 0. So, no big problems or gripes for me there. Though I do think Michigan, at this point, has a lot more quality wins than Georgia does and deserves to be at number one, as much as Jared might not like to hear that. Let's go back a little bit on week 13 and look at our picks. And our upset picks and our tipsy 10. Our upset picks last week were great for me, bad for Jared. These are going to be our last upset picks of the year, um, given that the tipsy 10 will now take the remainder of the games. Um, we may do another upset pick special when it comes to bowl games, but this is effectively the end of that season. I chose EMU over Buffalo. That did happen. Eastern Michigan won as bowl eligible, so that's three points for me. Eastern Michigan winning outright, which brings me to 20 points on the season and a final record of 8-4. and four. Jared wanted to go with UConn, um, but unfortunately UConn did not cover the spread, so he gets zero points, is at 13 on the season, 7-6 and six record for the year. So, even with one more game played, Jared could not beat me. Um, that's a little smack talk. Uh, Jared, you know, smacking me at the tipsy 10. So, let's get right into that. Last week, Jared went 5-5, five and five, as did I, which brings Jared to a 55% winning percentage and me to a 51% winning percentage. The fans, however, you guys went 7-3. and three. Uh, Congrats to you guys who are wiping the floor with us. Uh, you guys are at 55.3% on the year, beating Jared by one game. Now, this will be one of the last weeks, if not the last week, that we do the Tipsy 10. So, if you want to defeat Jared, you have to come up clutch this week. Or, Jared, you have to come up clutch against the fans. Which of these will happen? I guess we will see. Now, Jared hasn't submitted his picks quite yet. But he will here in the near future, so you know he, he will get these picks in before the games start on Friday. We have 10 conference championship games, 
Let's take a look and see what they are. Friday at 5 p.m. on CBS Sports Network, you have New Mexico State, who would have thought they would have been playing in a conference championship game, taking on number 24 Liberty in Virginia. Liberty is an 11-point favorite in this game. Now, Liberty has looked unstoppable, but New Mexico State just beat Auburn. New Mexico State's uh, quarterback, Pavia, is an absolute character, body-slamming Auburn guys, throwing passes with his helmet turned all around. Liberty has just been a consistent team all year long, though. Jamie Chadwell is an incredible coach. I think that Jamie Chadwell will take care of business in this one, and I do think Liberty will win this football game. Fans vote on Instagram at Loyal to Royal Pod, where Jared will have posted the Tipsy Ten. Friday at 6 p.m. on ABC. Why they did 5 p.m. and 6 p.m. instead of spacing them out to like 4 p.m. and 7 p.m. I don't know. It's, I feel like that's really stupid, given that that's 7 and 9 p.m. Eastern. Anyway, uh, you have number five Oregon playing number three Washington. In Las Vegas. Now, this is one of the games that will have the biggest implications on the college football playoff. You got number five taking on number three. Oregon, though they are one loss, even though they have already lost to Washington this year, is favored by nine and a half points in this game. Rumor has it that Michael Penix Jr. is hurt. He has suffered a rib injury. Do you buy into that? I don't know, but I really like Washington in this one. Oregon is a great team, but Washington is playing great. They play great football, sound football, all the way around, defensively, offensively, passing the ball, running the ball. They do it all. But if Penix is hurt, which this spread suggests that it is, I do think that there is a hole in Washington that Oregon will be able to exploit for this one game, giving Oregon the victory. So I'm choosing Oregon in this one. Fans, remember you can vote on Instagram at loyal2royalpod. Saturday at 10 a.m. on ABC, we have number 18 Oklahoma State taking on number 7 Texas in Arlington. Texas is a 15 and a half point favorite, but Frick Texas, you are, I, I, I don't know, like Frick Texas because they tried to kill the Big 12, but also them doing that allowed BYU and Avenue into the Big 12. But we have to, you know, pledge our allegiance to the hateful eight and say, screw you, Texas, Oklahoma State, in this one as a principal pick for me. Also at 10 a.m., for some reason, because scheduling sucks, you have the biggest game of the year, Miami of Ohio taking on Toledo in the MAC championship. Some action for you at 10 a.m. on ESPN. Toledo is an eight-point favorite in this one, but I'm going to go with Miami of Ohio. Um... I think Miami of Ohio is a really good squad. Toledo is incredible, but anything can happen in the MAC. There's always chaos, and I think Miami of Ohio is enough of a chaos team to pull off this upset. Saturday at 1 p.m. on Fox, Boise State, not a state, Boise City, will be taking on Unlove, the University of Nevada, Las Vegas, at 1 p.m. on Fox. Boise is a two-and-a-half-point favorite in this one despite being seated below Unlove. Um, this is also a principal pick, Frick Boise State, but I also do think that UNLV is a great team this year, very well coached, playing very well. I think UNLV is going to win this football game. 
What do you guys think? Let us know on Instagram at Loyal to Royal Pod, where the Tipsy Ten will shortly be posted. Saturday at 2 p.m. on CBS, you have number one. Oh, I, that is not correct. I don't know why that says number one. We have an error in the script, ladies and gentlemen. Number eight, Alabama taking on number one, Georgia, in the Peach State in Atlanta, where they will be playing. Um, Saturday, 2 p.m. on CBS. Georgia is a five-and-a-half-point favorite in this one, and I do think Georgia takes care of business just because I do not think that Jalen Milrow is that good. You can't scream, give me the Heisman, after beating a team that just lost to New Mexico State on a Hail Mary. Like, come on, dude. Dude, seriously. Absolutely pitiful. Um, Let's see. Saturday at 2 p.m. on ABC, also 2 p.m. for some reason, uh, you have SMU, who will be taking on number 22, Tulane. Um, this is a very big game in the um, group of five. There are very huge implications here, because if SMU beats Tulane, that might mean Liberty gets to go to the New Year's Six, whereas if Tulane survives, they would get to go to the New Year's Six. So, who's going to win this game? I think Tulane. I think they are a much better team than SMU. So, I don't know, that's just hands down. And the green wave, their uniforms are sick. That seafoam green is, mwah, chef's kiss, beautiful. Also at 2 p.m., for some gosh forsaken reason, why do we have three games at 2 p.m. instead of spacing them out a little bit? App State will be taking on Troy in the Fun Belt Championship game. Now, Troy is favored by six points in this one, but App State is App State. They always cause chaos. But Troy is the chaos killer. Troy does not mess around. Troy takes care of business. It knows its identity and does what it does very well. I think that they overpower App State in this one. Saturday, 6 p.m. on Fox, you have number two Michigan taking on Iowa in Lucas Oil Stadium. Um, Michigan is favored by 21 and a half. We all know how this is going to go. Iowa can't score. Michigan is an unstoppable unit right now. Michigan by a million. Sorry, Jared and Kevin and all the other Ohio State fans out there. Last but not least, Saturday at 6 p.m. on ABC, you have number 14 Louisville taking on number four Florida State. Florida State is favored by two and a half despite Jordan Travis still being out with injury. Instead, you have that other guy that does TikTok dances for a living. Louisville has been a hot and cold team all year long. They've been mainly hot, but when they get cold, man, are they cold. But I do think that they will catch heat at the right time. It's all about catching heat at the right time, and I think they do it right now. I think the Cardinal will win this game and be ACC champions. What do you guys think, though? Let us know on Instagram or Twitter, at LoyalToRoyalPod. On Instagram, you will find um, the Tipsy10 posted here shortly. Guys, thank you for joining me for this episode of the Royal Strong and True Podcast. I know it was just kind of me rambling. Uh, who knows if the audio was good? Who knows? I, know I can't really hear. I'm, I'm not getting playback right now, right? Uh, who knows if I was talking too fast, too slow? Who knows? But I had fun talking and venting about BYU sports. You know, like I said, BYU sports is a toxic ex. We keep going back, but we keep getting, we keep getting hurt. But the most important thing is that us as Cougar Nation, we are doing that together. 
we are bonding, trauma bonding together and becoming a unit so powerful that nothing can break us. We are becoming calloused, which I don't know if it's a good thing, but remember BYU fans, like always, like always, our favorite thing to say, the thing we say every year, especially regarding BYU football, remember, there's always next year. Thank you for joining us for this episode of the Royal Strong and True Podcast. If you enjoyed it, please leave a five-star review or leave a review that's honest. If you didn't enjoy it, we appreciate any feedback that you may have. Follow us on Instagram and Twitter at Loyal to Royal Pod, where you'll find lots of fun and interactive content, lots of things to laugh about, to cry about, to yell at us about, to cheer us on about. Make sure you're visiting our website, royalstrongandtrue.com, where you will find Jared's weekend watch guides. They are the perfect tool to maximize your college football enjoyment on a Saturday. Also make sure that you are downloading the episodes and sharing them with your friends because we want this we want this community to keep growing because we love you guys. We love making these episodes. Everyone, again, please prayers up for Jared as he is going through his finals and papers and everything else right now these next couple of weeks. Uh, that's it, guys. See ya. <laughs>